So if you've been listening to our podcast for some time, you might know that one of the weaknesses of my co-host host Liz is trail running. I think she would admit to that. And that um, one of mine is nutrition. Just sort of haven't focused on it at all with respect to my running. So when Liz suggested that we cover a runner's cookbook, I wasn't initially I wasn't very keen, but then I thought about it for a bit. The old little hamster on the wheel started running. And I thought, well, although I don't love to cook, I do love to eat. And um, this discussion on the cookbook might help me to fill in a bit of my nutritional blind spots. But if it doesn't, at the very least, it's going to provide me with some opportunities to get fed. My wife is a Tupperware director, so I thought if I could get her to make some of the recipes using her Tupperware tools, and I could off- then I could offer my expertise as an evaluation uh, assistant, evaluating the food. So a shout out to Melanie Miller Tupperware for your significant assistance to my review of this book. Hi and welcome to Running Book Reviews Podcast, where we review running books to help you decide if you'd like to read the book for yourself. And in this case, eat the food for yourself. We also hope that listening to us chat about running can help you be motivated about your own running and maybe inspire you to try something different or push your boundaries a little bit with your running. My name is Alan and with my co-host Liz, we're going to talk to you today about our experience with a different kind of book for runners. It's a recipe book, put together by Runner's World called Meals on the Run. 150 energy-packed recipes in 30 minutes or less. So Meals on the Run is a compilation of recipes from different authors. So I guess my first question is, is a recipe creator an author or are they creators since recipes are a form of art? Maybe one of our listeners knows the answer and can let us know for the next time. The book is broken up into nine chapters with each chapter being a category of foods. We have breakfast, smoothies and juices, snacks and sweets, salads, soups and stews, pasta and noodles, vegetarian mains and sides, seafood mains, meat and poultry mains. At the end of the book, the editor also includes a special recipes list section where the recipes are grouped into the following categories, pre-run, recovery, vegetarian, vegan, low-calorie, gluten-free, five-minute fixes, 10-minute tops, and hydrating. The editor has really put a lot of thought into grouping the recipes in different ways to help you find a recipe you'd like to try. There's not really much uh, in the author um, bio section for today because the book is edited by Joanna Sayago Golub, and hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, The recipes come from different sources, including registered dietitians and elite athletes, And uh, Kara Goucher has contributed one of the recipes uh, along with the forward to the book. So I guess uh, since it's a recipe book, the first thing that we can talk about is what it kind of looked like and felt like because recipe books, uh, you know, they kind of have to like look nice to inspire us to make some of the recipes. So what do you think, Alan? Yeah, they have to have good pictures of yummy food as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. So you look, you flick through the pages and you go, ooh, that looks nice. So, I mean, generally, I think the book's great from a presentation point of view. It's a a sturdy hardback book, and it's got lots of full color, like one page is recipe, and the opposing page is like a full color picture. It's got lots of those. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of, you can just, if you're not the, uh, the super cook, like I'm not, what you do is you flick through the book until something goes, bam, that looks delicious. Mm-hmm. You get a nice picture. I think quite a few people do that. Yeah, I do that because I feel like, you know, just by reading the recipe, I mean, sometimes if I don't know what the what the recipe is, like, you know, you take something like a pasta sauce. I mean, I know what a pasta sauce is going to look like, but if you take something new that you haven't tried and you're just reading through the ingredients in the recipe, like it's hard to imagine what it looks like. So then when you see it, then you kind of know if, you know, if it inspires you to make it or not yeah like if you come to uh strawberry and pistachio pita pizzas yeah you, think, you tried oh that my one god what's that and then you see the picture of it and then you 
go, my God, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> it was pink. <laughs> and then you go, oh, I have to have that. I have to have that. I'll have to taste that. So <laughs> that wasn't my reaction when I saw that, but I'm a little bit up for, for eating most things. Okay. Like I'm not a great cook, but I'm a, I'm a good eat. Uh, there's, there's few, very, very few things that I would say, oh no, I don't, I don't, I'm not eating that. Mm -hmm. I might go, oh, I don't really prefer that, but mostly, you know, sit people, what's this? And they'll say, oh, it's, it's squid ink paella. Paella. So you sure it's not just burnt? No, it's squid ink. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Let's try it. And off you go. I was just quoting that as an example because I had squid ink paella in Barcelona once and it just oh, looks wow. completely black, but I'm up for it. I don't think I'm having hmm. it again, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. that great, but um, yeah, I'm up, I'm up for most things. So, but I'm not, I'm not a great cooking participant. I don't mind cooking, but I don't like doing it. Okay. Um, and if I can persuade somebody else to cook, um, I'm, I'm an appreciative spectator and I'm an appreciative uh, participator afterwards. I would say that I, I'm like kind of in the middle. Like I don't mind cooking. Like I, I kind of like it, but I like to succeed in it. And that like makes me want to do it more. So, you know, so I, I tend to kind of, you know, re, you know, make same few things that I know I'm going to succeed at, um, like like spaghetti sauce and things what, like what do you that. Mean succeed at? Well, because What's sometimes. Success for well, success, success is like when you make something and it tastes really good, and so so it depends how you measure your success. Because if I measured my success by listening to Andre, by whether or not my partner Andre eats the food or doesn't eat the food, it would mean everything I make is a success. But that is not always the case. Like I don't make, I, I make things that are sometimes tasteless. Um, and that's kind of discouraging, especially when you made a really big batch, because I don't like to throw things out. So then we have to eat all of the tasteless food before I can make something new. I, I'm pretty disciplined about that. Like I don't waste things, but uh, it's very so. So, what does your uh, partner Andre say when you make something that's tasteless and you go, "Oh, this is useless," and you give it to him? What does he say? He thinks it's fantastic. Like, I think the no, only time, well, he's to my face, he does. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what he tells he's, you. <laughs> he's a member of the. He's a member of the foodie spectator club, which is never, never tell somebody who's cooking food that their food is no good if they've cooked it for you and you haven't had to pay for it it's fantastic so the only time the only time in like the more than 10 years that we've been together that he's even sort of hinted that something was not that great is this one time when I made lentil soup for the first time um, it was tasteless, by the way, so I never made it again. But also the lentils were a little hard. And that was the part that he was kind of like turned off by because the lentils were like maybe not quite cooked. But I swear <laughs> that I cooked this soup for like the whole afternoon and the lentils were just still not soft. I don't know. It was just I was just not destined to have lentil soup that day, uh, which was too bad. But, uh, I mean, we we did end up eating it, but it was yeah, it was not like fun it was like oh great i have this for lunch again when you took it out of the freezer <laughs> so i have to say that everything i've eaten out of this book has been cooked by my wife melanie and she was super interested in the book too so she does kind of nearly all of the cooking mm -hmm. i should paraphrase um something that my son-in-law says to me about about his participation in the kitchen he says here we are in the kitchen where i do 30 percent of the cooking and 70 percent of the eating so that's that's what you do as well. Yeah, I'm probably more uh, about 20% of the cooking or less. Um, anyway, <laughs> props to Melanie because when she saw the book, she um, she she was sort of, ooh, ooh, what's this? Oh, I could try that. Oh, I could do that. Um, oh. So she was sort of super uh, interested in it. Um, I just got it out again yesterday. Mm -hmm. And today she cooked something else out of it. Oh, so on her on her live at five on her live at five um, uh, Facebook live. So initially she had made some dips, right? You guys had tried some of the dips in the dip section. How did that turn out? Yeah, sun dried tomato and tahini dip. I tried that one. Well, I think it turned out fantastic. One of the things my wife always does is she kind of improvises. I don't know if everybody does that with their recipes. You go, well, I don't quite have that, so I'll use this instead. 
Okay. I had to do that with this book. Uh, it's not what I like to do when I'm trying a recipe for the first time. Cause I feel like the first time you try a recipe, you should follow the recipe. Cause otherwise if it doesn't turn out, you don't know if it didn't turn out because you substituted or it didn't turn out because like, you just don't like that recipe. So that's usually my rule. But with this book, I have to say that I had to substitute because um, there were a lot of things that didn't have. <laughs> yeah, the, the sun-dried tomato and tahini dip and the, um, I think it was the lemon and carrot hummus mm -hmm. were both absolutely fantastic. I mean, we, they were really tasty and as sort of snack alternatives. Mm -hmm. Instead of having a snack, have that or as a pre-meal or you know, a, a between meals or elevenses or what did the hobbits say? Second breakfast or, um, <laughs> you know, any of those sorts of things. They're, they're absolutely excellent. Yeah, I tried that sun-dried tomato and tahini dip. Did you but like it? I did like it. Like, I like the it taste. It sound like you did. It sounds like you're sort of, yeah. Uh, it was very, like, solid. Like, it wasn't much of a dip. Mm. It was very... Uh, um, Chunky, sort of. Yeah, it's Substantial. Seems, I think it's more like a spread, like, than a dip. Really. I guess you could have mixed more tahini in with it. Maybe I could have. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I followed the recipe for that one so that I knew what it would turn out like if I follow the recipe. But it didn't look like the picture. One of the things I do do a lot of with respect to not cooking mm -hmm. now is I do a lot of shopping. So I'll actually do the grunt work and go to the stores and get the ingredients and but I didn't actually know what tahini was and I had tahini on the list and I'm trying to find it in a supermarket. <laughs> and I thought, typical guy, I thought, oh, I can't, I can't ask, I can't ask the person <laughs> like, like where's the tahini when I'm standing in the, I don't know, the sausage next to the sausages or something. So I was thinking, <laughs> you think I'm a complete idiot. I've got no idea what it is. I've got to get like somewhere where it might be. So I'm trying to think of, well, what what could it be? It's sort of, I guess it's probably some sort of mayonnaise-y, oily. Th it's actually, is it made from sesame seeds? I think it's... Mm -hmm. It's uh, like squished it's, sesame seeds. Yeah, it's, it's pure sesame seed paste, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's like peanut butter, but with sesame seeds. I had no idea what tahini was. I'd heard the, the word, but I, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea where to find it in the store. It's a good so, thing you asked somebody because you probably needed it for your hummus as well. I'm not sure that I did. I think I found it. I think oh. I found it eventually. <laughs> My shopping took me like double the time. I got sort of 60 items in 20 minutes. And then it took me another 20 minutes to find the tahini because I didn't know what it was. But it tasted great. And maybe you didn't put enough in yours. Maybe. Maybe that's what, what I was missing. But um, it was very more like a spread than I'll tell you a... what you did. You followed the recipe yeah. to the letter. Mm -hmm. So if it said one ounce of tahini, you probably put 1.00 ounces. I mean, what, it said half a cup. Measured on a calibrated balance from the laboratory. <laughs> and so you said, well, it's got to be perfect because I measured it exactly. Whereas my wife would go, okay, dollop some tahini into it. Oh, it doesn't look runny enough. Dollop some more into it. And she would kind of make it up by feel. Oh, hmm. yeah. I don't have that um, ability. I, th I thought they were, the, the, the dips were and the hummus were super, super tasty. And they felt healthy as well when you're eating them. I probably ate loads and loads of crackers though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what the nutritional value of the crackers was, but I'm sure the carbs help. I mean, because you know, runners, we need lots of carbs. So yeah, I suppose you can't get really good... unhealthy crackers, can you? I don't think so. So what were we talking about? We're talking about the feel of the book. Are we finished talking about that? Um, I think we've pretty much finished talking about that. I, I mean, okay, we have lots of pictures. So now we're talking about recipes we've tried. So what have you tried? Well, I tried the um, sun-dried tomato and tahini dip. Um, like you did. Yeah. And then I like there were several things I wanted to try, but I didn't because I was always missing ingredients. And you know about my rule about trying recipes for the first time. The one um, thing that I did end up trying, even though I didn't have all the ingredients, was the pizza. Because how can you pass by a picture of pizza in a recipe book and not want to make it? I mean, Is it's that impossible. pizza? Uh, it, I don't know if that was Kara Goucher's recipe, but it was the, 
It was called pizza margarita. And so it kind of just looked like like a plain tomato sauce pizza. And then it had some like basil leaves on it with cheese. And I mean, you know, like, so it wasn't a lot of ingredients, but the dough, because the recipe book says under 30 minutes, right? So the dough is supposed to be um, frozen, like frozen already prepared pizza dough from the store. I don't know if I've ever seen that in a store. Um, And and so obviously I didn't have any. That's one thing that I have done. I've done the... uh... Make your own pizza with dough that you buy from the store. In Montreal, we have these Italian stores like Cavallero's. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you go there, they have like little bags of dough in the, oh. in the cooler compartment, not the freezer, but the cold section. Okay. They have little bags of dough. You can buy like a bag of dough and then you just oh. get, you get it out. And I think you let it aerate for a while and then you can make a pizza out of it. You've never okay. done that? No, I just, I so found a recipe for some dough and I made the I'm dough. I'm actually the food expert here. <laughs> I think you are. And, and, and that you're the, you're the learner. <laughs> I'm the beginner. <laughs> <laughs> um, also about this margarita pizza, I had to leave out the basil leaves because I didn't have any. Uh, what, what was your rule about recipes again? Yeah, I know, but I had to make the pizza and... <laughs> I didn't have the basil leaves and I figured it's just basil leaves. It's got the important things like the tomato sauce and the cheese and, and the dough, like you absolutely need dough, but I had to make it from scratch because obviously I didn't know you could buy it at the store. I had never seen that before. So it took you um, about more than half an hour. I guess. It did. It took me half a day instead. So, <laughs> so that's, that was the, yeah. But um, also I found that some of the recipes, uh, like sometimes I, I, I want to make a recipe, uh, for example, like some of the oatmeals. Um, and then, you know, usually I'll think of it like the morning of the long run. It's like, oh, I should have oatmeal before the long run. And, yeah. oh, this looks really good. It's like blueberry cream oatmeal looks fantastic in the picture. And then you look at the recipe, but it's steel cut oats and they have to be soaked overnight. And now I'm yeah. already like an hour and a half before the run. So that's not going to happen. So I've had a lot of kind of things like that where like the recipe is under 30 minutes, but you don't, you can't think of it 30 minutes before you want to eat it. You actually have to like plan these recipes. Yeah, you do some two of weeks them. of planning and then it happens <laughs> in 30 minutes. <clears throat> yeah, still cut oats. I mean, I just add water and stick them in the microwave. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've cooked them on the stovetop, but they usually take a long, they take longer than those, uh, the regular oats. I just add three, three, one pot oats, three pots water into the microwave. Usually I give them hmm. two and a half minutes to begin with and then examine them depending on how well cut they are or how cold <laughs> the water was that went in. There'll be different consistencies. So sometimes they get put back in for another 30, 40, 50 seconds. And then I leave them to stand, usually covered. And in like five minutes, they're ready to go. Oh, okay. Well, um, I guess I'm an oats amateur. I'm not like an oats expert like you. No, that's probably the amateur approach. Probably the the soaking is probably much better for them, I imagine. Or they're more consistent. Probably you get more creamy oatmeal. Probably you do. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so I I haven't tried. There's another um, oatmeal. Uh, It's called pumpkin chai oatmeal. It looks so good Ooh, and sounds interesting. I think I like it's something that I think I would really like. But then the problem is, you know, canned pumpkin. I think I only see that at the store at Christmas or Thanksgiving. And we're neither of those uh, seasons right now. So I don't know if I could find pumpkin at the store. I like I'm just talking about like without doing a detour to like all the stores in Montreal. Yeah, without having to go to the specialty uh, stores. Yeah, because I, you know, I really wanted to make. Um, there's so these why energy. Why don't you do pumpkin chai oatmeal with no pumpkin? You could even rename it. You could call it chai oatmeal. I don't know if it would be as good without the pumpkin. Yeah, it's missing a fruit. Um, or vegetable. I'm not really sure. Pumpkin's a vegetable, I guess. Why don't you just buy a pumpkin and use fresh pumpkin? Because you can't really buy those unless it's Halloween. Not around here. (laughs) I haven't seen any pumpkins in the store. I mean, maybe I could replace it with a squash that looks like a pumpkin. But yeah, I had the same problem with uh, the energy ball recipe that I wanted to make. 
I really wanted to make this energy ball recipe. And I really, really wanted it to have the dry tart cherries because like at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the book, there's this nice section about like the runner's kitchen and, you know, dry tart cherries are supposed to be good for inflammation and things. So I really wanted them to have that. And like, I went to like three stores well, Costco didn't have dry tart cherries and they have dried blueberries. So I was kind of surprised that they wouldn't have dry tart cherries. Walmart didn't have, well, yeah, Walmart didn't have them. And I went to like a maxi or a Metro, which is kind of like a regular grocery store around here. Um, and they didn't have it either. The closest thing I found was that Walmart, it was like Montmorency cherries. I don't even know if that's the same thing, but I bought a bag of those, but I haven't tried the recipe yet. Go for it. I mean, you'll get a different flavor maybe and a different outcome, but it'll still be good. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I just, I really wanted those dry tart cherries. Couldn't find them anywhere. <laughs> yeah, because they come up sort of high on runners nutritional lists these days. They seem to mm-hmm. be like trendy. Yeah. There is, I think, a bit of benefit, but not as much as people think. I guess not. I mean, it's never one food, right? It's it's about According like different foods. According to Lauren Antonucci, foods. who we spoke to about nutrition for runners in one of Mm -hmm. our previous podcasts if i remember rightly she said yeah yeah they kind of work a little bit yeah but there's no one so so far the book's been a complete failure and you're just complaining about not no 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 ingredients and you haven't cooked anything no i have i've cooked pizza with modified ingredients (laughs) okay how was the pizza the pizza was fantastic i love pizza though so i don't know like i'm a little biased well everybody loves pizza David Roche loves pizza. Oh, that's true. He does. Um, I did like the sun-dried tomato and tahini dip. Like I just found it was not really much of a dip. It was kind of a little more solid, but um, I did like it. It's not that I didn't like the, the taste. trouble being a cooking aficionado. You're, yeah. You're picky picky. See, being an eating <laughs> aficionado, yeah. I'm not picky at all. Oh, it's okay. Like, look at this. It's delicious. <laughs> you can be too specification uh, focused. Yeah, that's my problem is like, I I didn't learn how to cook like, um, I didn't learn how to cook for my mom, you know, when I was a kid watching her being mm. all creative in the kitchen. No, no, my mom cooked like three different things. Um, and the only spices in the kitchen were salt and pepper. So, uh, you know, I didn't learn how to use spices. I had to learn that later by reading recipes and putting the quantities that they call for because otherwise, it's not going to have the taste that it's supposed to. And then <laughs> you might not like the taste that it has. So, yeah. So I don't know. For me, cooking is a bit of a, it, it's like a bit of a black box. It might be even better. And then it can be Liz's special, whatever it is. Yeah, maybe. Modified recipe. Yeah. But I don't know. Like sometimes you just need the right recipe. Like I have this, I have these cookies that I make for my coworkers and they're not in the book, but Um, these cookies are like chocolate chip cookies and I add the optional walnuts and they're like soft. They end up being soft chocolate chip cookies. And these cookies, every time there's a potluck, they don't want me to bring anything else. Like they forbid me from trying new recipes because they want these cookies. And like, they're so good because they're so good. Yeah. So Um, Macrusa's special cookies. No, but they're not. They're all recipes, uh, special cookies that I found online. I don't know that has a name, something like the world's best chocolate chip cookies or something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Okay, don't remember so exactly you what the name these is. For but... all of your workers all the time. Well, I did back when I went to an office with and coworkers, but I don't recall ever having tasted one of these cookies. So you've never, done, you've never done them for your running buddies. No, I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have. This is, it was a classic. Like I used to buy like pounds of butter just so that I could make these cookies on a like, you know, last minute notice. Yeah. And uh, okay. So if you want the recipe for the cookies, write in, send us a, drop us a, a, a mail on our social media and Liz will send you the recipe. You yeah, can't definitely. get it. You can't get it by buying the book that we're talking about, <laughs> Mills on the Run, because it doesn't contain that. Maybe the second edition will have it in it. Um, we'll see. Yeah. So, so the one thing that um, I really liked about the book was the omelet section. It was like a two page section, but it had all these different combinations and who, who can't make an omelet? I mean, yeah, I agree. Knows how to Even I can omelet. do that. Um, I agree with the section as well, because it, it was kind of a, 
here's an omelet, you know, you can make it, you can fold it, and here are a list of omelet fillings you could try. Mm -hmm. And so you've got like a huge number of different omelet fillings, and you go, ooh, I never thought of having that as an omelet. Oh. Yeah, I tried a, a cheese and apricot omelet, but the problem was I didn't have the right kind of cheese. Because I think it called for like goat cheese or something or feta. No, it called for feta cheese and I didn't have that. When I went to the store, the the containers were too big because I was at Costco. <laughs> I didn't want to buy like a kilo of feta. And then if I only make the recipe once, then I don't know what to do with the rest of the feta. Uh, yeah, so I just used like cheddar cheese and apricot. And like it was um, it was interesting. Like usually I, I don't try kind of new mixes on my own. But the advantage of the book was that it kind of like made me try this new mix just because um, the page with the omelet was just so nice looking. It's got the pictures and like, oh, this looks good. Oh, sweet and salty. That made a lot of sense to me, that whole sweet and salty mix. But the apricots stayed a little bit hard, which might have been my my fault. But I think um, that illustrates a, a good example of one of the good things about the recipe book is it suggests things that you might not think of on your own. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that was one of the I think that's one of the things that people are looking for in recipe books, like something that they think will be good, but they've never really tried exactly like that. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it and you go, okay, that sounds like it'll be good. Or it might be interesting and then you can try it and it's something different. It yeah. might not be something that you add to your, you know, your, your weekly rotation because it's kind of speciality, but... I think that's one of the nice things about the book and to some extent one of the downsides of the book because then it asks for ingredients that you don't have to hand mm -hmm. and yeah. then you go, I'm going to have to shop, oh, why can't I just use what I've got in the cupboard or in But the what fridge. I prefer about a recipe book rather than looking online is because sometimes, I mean I've done this so many times, now what I do is when I like the recipe I print it because you find a recipe, you make it, you're like, oh, that's good. And then, you know, you don't make it for a month. And then a month later, you can't find the recipe online anymore. <laughs> At least that's my problem. I well, don't know if anybody else has that thing about the book. If you, buy, if you buy the book or you have the book, you know it's in the book. So you just... Exactly. You just whip out the book and, you know, you can leave little sticky tabs in it. All over the place. I was looking at, I noticed uh, your copy of the book that you've loaned me uh, has little sticky tabs all over it. Mm -hmm. I was looking through the book at the things, trying to find the things that I, that my wife cooked for me out of it. And all I did was I just kept flicking the pages until I got to a photograph that I recognized. <laughs> so I got to a photograph, yeah, we've had that. Okay, what is it? And, and the thing I came across, and I, I noticed there was a, a little tab on it, so either you've made it or you were thinking of made it, was called um, Southwestern Black Bean Wraps. Yeah, I want to make that. Oh, well, I ha I've had that. I've had that. Oh. Yeah, and I have to say, they were absolutely fantastic. They were sort of really, like, full tasting. It's a lot of flavor and um, seemed to be easy to do. Seemed to be. Well, I didn't do it. My mm -hmm. wife put it together for me. I'm sounding so old school saying, oh, you know, waiting at the table for my wife to bring it to. Well, 30 minutes or less. So it must not have been more than 30 minutes. Yeah, but that, that was, I mean, it just contained lots of nice things. I think she was attracted to that because we had black beans. But there were some other recipes that had different other types of beans. Mm -hmm. So she said, oh, I'll do this. It's got, it's got black beans in it. So and it's sort of a Southwestern style wrap that was pretty substantial and really flavorful so that was good yeah there's a whole smoothie section that um that you know is looks interesting but it's it's because i feel like smoothies are a cold drink and i don't like it's like yeah. eating ice cream in the winter like i don't like doing it because i feel cold for like an hour after while my body's trying to rewarm itself yeah, up it's not, it's not what, <laughs> certainly in montreal during winter it's not what you naturally crave a smoothie is it yeah, no, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that I will go back to that section in the summer when it's hot. And there are plenty of them and different drinks as well. And so if you're looking for, you know, a twist on something or something interesting, it gives you good ideas from that point of view. The other sort of quite sort of strange, unusual thing that we had was the strawberry and pistachio pita pizza. Yeah. It's sort of a pita bread, which is sort of works with a pizza mm -hmm. style. 
and then there's sort of a strawberry spread on it some sort of strawberry it sort of makes the pita all red and then there's pistachio nuts on it are the nuts whole or do you have to like chop them well they're sort of large pieces so they're okay. like halved or something like that but that was pretty interesting hmm. it's kind of not what you're expecting from that type of meal to have strawberries in it and i wasn't sure whether it was supposed to be like a, a main meal or a dessert yeah, don't or a breakfast. Think, like maybe it was think supposed it was to be a dessert because it had sort of like pistachios are sort of a bit salty and the strawberry sweet. So you get the sweet and salty mix, like you were saying with the with the omelet with the apricot. Yeah, and, and that was pretty unusual, and it looks nice on the plate as well in terms of colourful. And I, I certainly enjoyed it. But again, I'm not going to put it in the staple uh, staple diet run, but it's something you know good to try. Yeah. But there are, there are some things, and I guess I, I sort of, I guess I probably avoided them. There are some more main, mainstream type ones that are just, mm -hmm. you know, standard, good, wholesome meals. Yeah, like I've been eyeing this one in the pasta and noodles section. It looks like, uh, like um, it's noodles and like kind of like a, it almost looks like a curry base soup kind of, but there's not too much liquid and there's chicken in there. I don't remember exactly what they call it, but uh, that looks really good because usually I like curry and I love noodles, but uh, I haven't tried it because, um, yeah, I think what I was trying to do, because those are like, I feel like that pasta and noodles section is all the things that I know that I love to eat all the time. So what I was trying to do is try the recipes that are things that are different to the things that I usually yeah. gravitate towards. So yeah. that's why, like, I haven't tried it yet, but I think it's going to be uh, a winner probably. I mean, anything and that's anything that says noodles in the recipe um, ingredient list, I think is always a winner. It's good fuel. Me. Yeah. My wife just made some like live on her uh, Facebook live um, an hour ago. She just made some popcorn out of the book. Oh, um, yes. But she made um, curry chipotle popcorn, mm -hmm. which again illustrates the, the benefit of having the recipe book because you might think, oh, I'll make some popcorn, but you probably wouldn't think of making curry chipotle popcorn. Yeah, actually, that reminds me. I did make from the book um, roasted cauliflower and it had like curry um it had it had curry in the in the ingredients it was like you you cover it with a bit of oil and then you know there's some salt and curry and some other ingredients that I can't remember right off the top of my head and um I bought cauliflower just specifically for that because it's something that usually I never buy and ever since I made that recipe um, like every time I see cauliflower at the store, I buy one cause it was so good. So now, um, this book has incorporated cauliflower into my diet. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's cauliflower is not something that you have in your rotation normally. Not really. No. Yeah. We no, have cauliflower on a regular basis. Cauliflower yeah. and broccoli are some of our staples. Yeah. Broccoli. Yes. But cauliflower, no, I don't know. Like, I guess we just never bought it. So never made it, but this roasted, uh, cauliflower and now that I have an air fryer um, it actually makes the whole process like super easy because you don't even have to wash one of those big uh, you know those big cookie sheets anymore because you've just put it in the air fryer which I guess is something that you're looking at me like what is an air fryer what son of what an air fryer is <laughs> my daughter has one. Oh she yeah that's true she cooked me some salmon at the weekend in it yeah, it it's fantastic. fantastic. Easy with to clean. Salmon with honey and sriracha glaze was absolutely delicious. And it's not in the book. So no. write to me and I'll get my daughter to send you the recipe if you're interested in that. Yeah, I'm going to write to you so that she can send me the recipe because um, uh, I need to try that recipe too. <laughs> yeah, you saw the picture I did on uh, social media yeah. at the weekend. Okay, so that, that's about my sum total of the experience with the, with the recipes, I think, so far. There's kind of plenty to go at different things. If you're going, oh, well, what I want is one, I want some, need something to fuel for a run. It actually gives you an indicator. Here are some good things pre-run. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a pretty good thing about the book. Yeah, I find that they did a good job in uh, making lists of the recipes for different reasons. Different things, yeah. And also 
you know, if you're, if you're vegetarian or vegan, there are some choices in there as well. You know, if you like fish, if you prefer fish, you can go for that. It's pretty good from that point of view. It doesn't go highly into the ingredients and how many calories. And so if you're a calorie counter or, you know, you're looking for some specific nutrients, it's not, it's not doing that in an analytical way. You know, I was thinking, well, if I'm into nutrition as a runner and I'm looking at the recipe book, would I see ingredients that I would think, well, why, why are they feeding me that? But mostly you don't, I think. They're not like heavy, greasy, stodgy Mm-mm. things. No, all real food. Calories seem to be real. There's plenty. There's probably plenty of calories in some of the things and good protein balances and things like that in many of, many of the meals. I'm sort of a protein uh, conscious person at the moment. Yeah, you're really good now with your protein drink. Even uh, like Andre, um, when, you know, when we both come to the run together, he sort of like points at you and he's like, look, Alan has this protein. Where's your protein? Because like I was stopped after the run for five minutes, but yet you have your protein in your hand already after five minutes after finishing the run. And I'm still kind of like wondering if I should get changed talking with somebody. (laughs) I've been programmed a little bit as well by my, um, by my son-in-law who has taken a nutrition course recently. He's a coach Coach B, shout out to Coach B. Get him on TikTok. He's becoming, he's blowing up on TikTok at the moment, Coach B and his mm-hmm. nutrition stuff. So um, uh, find him there. But he's very conscious of people not doing so much calorie counting, but having developing good habits towards their food, like eating whole foods. And um, I'll say, oh, I had oatmeal for breakfast. And he'll say, oh, where's your protein? There's no protein in that. So you should you know, add some protein, have some eggs or something like that. So he's, he's a, he's with me, he's a protein pusher. So he's got me programmed. (laughs) It's got me programmed a little bit. Yeah. But he doesn't live with you. Like my protein pusher, he lives with me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'm leaving for the run. He's like, where's your protein for after? And I'm like, uh, I didn't make it. It's good to have one of those in your life, I think, because it they just, you know, keep you in line. Yeah, but it's also good to have somebody to go and have a beer with now and again. <laughs> I think you can be obsessive about these things, but maybe that's that's just me not being very nutritional fo- nutritionally focused. Did you come across any recipes that you thought, I'm not going anywhere near that, that looks horrible? Yeah, a few of them. Uh, I mean... Well, there there but- are foods that you don't like or... No, they're just like certain things I have a hard time. Okay, so I'm not really a picky eater, even though like after I explain myself, you're going to say that I'm a picky eater. But so I'm not a picky eater. I eat most things. Like there are a few things that I don't really like. Like let's say like I don't really like steak, for example. Uh, I don't like a spice called caraway seeds. Like I really don't like them. And um, yeah, so there's a few things I don't really like. Then there's sort of like certain mixes that I can't imagine mixing together. And I know that like it mixes together in my stomach, but like I just on the way in like them to be separate on my plate. (laughs) So, So when I came across some of the recipes, like for example, your strawberry pistachio pizza, like I love strawberries, love pistachios, love pizza, but like separate. <laughs> so, so it that was one recipe I was like, I don't think I'm going to try that. Oh, you missed out. It was good. Yeah, I'm happy you tried it. So you could tell me all about it. <laughs> Mostly I would look at it and go, oh, that looks good. Hmm. Yeah. Or, or that's not a combination of foods that I would have thought of, but it might be fun to try. I'm mostly into that. I used to be really, really picky with my food when I was a kid and my parents used to make me eat everything and either I grew out of it or I was forced out of it by my parents. I'm not sure which, but I'll sort of eat mostly anything, you know, that's food. Mm -hmm. At least try it. So all the recipes, I would say there's probably nothing that I wouldn't try. You know, you look at scallops or something like that and you look at their picture of it and you go, wow, that looks nice. Yeah. 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 Probably because... I wouldn't know how to go and shop for scallops, for good scallops, but then that's probably why I wouldn't have it because I don't know how to buy nice ones. But for me, it's also because I, I'm going to be the one cooking the recipe. So if I'm not really excited about it, then 
you know, why would I put in all that effort to cook it? I, I guess like you could say, well, to have the combination of foods, like so that you add different things to your diet, because let's say in your strawberry and pistachio pizza, well, there's pistachios, which is a type of nut that I don't really eat often. Um, and strawberries, well, uh, I, I eat them very seasonally. So, you know, if I had made that strawberry pistachio pizza, it means I would have had two things added to my diet that day that I don't eat a lot of. And, you know, variety is always supposed to be good for you. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But as you say, you know, if you're not turned on by it, it's it's hard to get motivated. I should have invited you around. Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough for, for three people. It's only enough for me and my wife. The things are all in kind of small quantities. So if you have a family, you might need to double those recipes or triple yeah, or quadruple. Some of, the, some, some of the recipes are for four, but I think that's probably the maximum, unless it's a sauce, you know, that you can add to something. Mm -hmm. um, there's still plenty of things to eat in the book that we probably haven't been through, so there's plenty to go out there. There are 100, 150 recipes altogether, mm -hmm. so, and they're all really healthy. There are soups as well. I didn't try any of the soups. I think yeah. my wife might be interested in some of the soups. Okay. I'm going to have to keep your copy of the book for a while. That's okay. Get fed. And then you can tell me which ones were good and which ones I should try and make myself. Yeah, so um, I love the overall look and the feel of the book. Like it's a hard cover with thick, glossy pages and lots of photos, which uh, I always love in a recipe book. Um, I love that a lot of the contributors were uh, RDs, so registered dietitians, uh, because this means that they're not trying to push some kind of fad diet, just plain old good foods. And um, it has a good variety of recipes with something for everyone, including vegetarian or vegan options. Two things I will mention uh, is the, the whole thing about the 30 minutes uh, or less. Um, you know, a lot of the things do take less than 30 minutes to prepare, but it doesn't mean that you can decide to do it 30 minutes before you want to eat it. So you can't sort of say, oh, I've got 30 minutes. I'll open the book and cook myself something. So so sometimes you can, but okay. sometimes you can't. Okay. Like for my oatmeal that I wanted yeah. to make in the morning before going for a long run and um, realizing that I had to pre-soak the, uh, the steel cut oats. <laughs> so uh, there's things like that. Or like the pizza that I made, but then I ended up making the dough as well and it has to rise. So you have to kind of plan that in the morning. So things like that. Uh, but I mean, there are a lot of things that that don't require like prepping or thinking like the whole list of omelets. If you have the the filling ingredients, then I mean, you can make that right away. And the other thing that I found was that the ingredients that they use uh, might not be staples in your kitchen and might not be easy to get where you live. So for me, that was the dry tart cherries and the canned pumpkin, which I know like there's a certain time of year where the canned pumpkin is all over the store. Like you walk in and there's a whole tower of canned pumpkin, but it's not right now. So I, and you know, maybe part of that whole, I can't find the ingredients in Montreal thing is because like, I'm a bit lazy, but I mean, the truth is like, I am a bit lazy. So <laughs> I want to just go to one grocery store and uh, do my groceries. And, and for us, a lot of times that grocery store is Costco, which is not really known to have like a wide variety of, of like things, but they do have, you know, I have always thought of myself as having a pretty well-stocked kitchen. You know, I've got all the things that like they say are good for runners, like chia seeds and hemp hearts and, you know, things that, um, things your, that I, your average non-runner might not have. Yeah. Because they're like, what do you do with this? The kind of like, um, we actually bought a bag of hemp hearts for, um, for uh, Andre's parents the other day, because, you know, they're high in omega threes. And so we had to explain what to do with them because most people are like, what are hemp hearts? <laughs> what do you do with them? Where do you put them? <laughs> what, what, what are hemp hearts? Um, they, they're like the, the seedy part of the hemp plant. You can eat them. What they come in bags. Them? Do you have to cook them? No, no, you don't. And they've got kind of like a nutty flavor. Like, I guess, if whatever you do with chia seeds, you can do with hemp hearts because, well, like, except make like pudding because they don't get jelly in water like chia seeds do. Um, they're kind of, they have kind of a nutty flavor and you could put them in like yogurt can or- you put them in trail mix? 
Yeah, you could probably put them in trail mix. Yeah, or if you make homemade granola, that would probably be really good in that too. Here we go. Liz and Allen's trail mix. There we go. We should create our own recipe. We can be recipe authors or creators, whichever one of those two um, is right. What we do is we make the trail mix, then we run the three-hour marathon, and then we say, look, you should all <laughs> eat Liz and Allen's trail mix. Uh, yeah. Proven if, results. Hopefully it'll be we, that if easy. If we don't make the three-hour marathon, well, we just keep the recipe of the trail mix a secret. So, um, so I guess overall, like the book was great. It has lots of easy recipe options and uh, the dips section was really good because those are those are fun to make and fun to eat as well. That's it. That's it for me. Okay, my my turn. Well, the book's really well presented. I think if you're if you're a, a cookbook person and you're looking for recipe books and you want to have a nice book that has great recipes but really well presented and it's attractive, you look at the thing and you go, "Wow, yeah, I want to cook something out of that." I think this is a great book for you. It's a solid hardcover book. It's really colorful, has beautiful food pictures. It's well categorized, easy to follow, uh, and nicely laid out. So it's it's a great book from that point of view if you're into, if you're a foodie or in terms of a cook or, or a runner or both, I think you'd find this a nice book to have. There are lots of recipes and something for everybody. So there are snack alternatives, drinks, vegan, we've said fish, conventional meals, smoothies. And there's good food guidance regarding the type of food. Like there's, you know, advice regarding gluten-free or vegan or run advice for, for example, pre-run or after the run. And I think, you know, apart, apart from that, the only downside would be not all the ingredients are going to be in your kitchen. Either you can be an improviser and an improvise. Like we had our we had our curry chipotle um, popcorn, and I think uh, Melanie was saying, "Oh, I don't have any chipotle. I put was it chipotle? I think it was chipotle. She was missing. I want to put paprika in instead. So we ended up with having curry paprika popcorn. Mm-hmm. Well, it works. It works the same. Still yeah. sounds good. So you can do that, or you know, you're probably going to have to shop a little bit for some of the things. That's probably all, all I had to say about it. I think, you know, it's pretty good. I mean, I was looking at it and I spent a lot of time looking at it and I'm not really a cook. And my wife, who is a cook, was very, very interested in it. Um, and, and not a, a runner. And that's a good sign. Not really a runner, but she, she's pretty I mean, she's, she's sometimes a runner, but... Um... Yeah, she's an active walker. She's out walking the dog at the moment. Okay, so good value and an attractive book. Okay. It's published by Rodale, is it? Yep, 2015. From 2015, so it's not a brand new book. No, it's not a brand new book. There, there are, um, but I mean, recipe books, they never kind of get old. I, and I think if anything, as time goes on, like the ingredients are probably easier to find now than in 2015 mm-hmm. um, because, you know, our food is so um, so global, comes from everywhere. So that's... And it has the Runner's World the name on it, so there's some credibility there, forward by Karagacha. So there's certainly some running appreciation. If we've, if we've now gone from running to doing running cookbooks, what do you think we might end up talking about in terms of books eventually with respect to running? We're going to do like knitting books so you can <laughs> make your own running socks. So here's a knitting book or crocheting book and you can make your own socks. Um, no, I, I don't think because you can't like, it doesn't support. Oh, well, that doesn't work. I was going to say it doesn't support your running, but I guess it does. If you make yourself some running socks, but here's a book on welding now. So you can make, you can make make your your own own, treadmill. Yeah. You can make your own weights rack. Where, where might this lead us? I, I don't know. Um, but the thing is that eating is very important for running performance. And so, you know, I think that runners need cookbooks for runners. Like I've been eyeing, um, Shalane Flanagan has a whole series of cookbooks now. And, uh, yeah. And, and she keeps talking about these muffins called superhero muffins and maybe she even gives away the recipe. I'm not really sure, but, uh, but like, I think that that might be a future purchase. We should try to get Shalane to come on the show and talk to us about her, her cooking. That'd be fantastic. I don't know. 
I'll end up talking to her about Nike if she comes on. You know where that's going to go. But that's old news. <laughs> That'll be good. Yeah, there are a few other cookbooks out there. I mean... Um, the advantage of runners making cookbooks is they have things in them like energy balls, you know, like because yeah. those are things not, I mean, normal people don't eat those things, but for runners, they're yeah. great because sometimes if you do people like, are avoiding trying to avoid eating those kind of things. Yeah. But I mean, if you're doing trail running, um, which, yeah. okay, so, so that's one of the advantages of trail running is you don't have to eat all those gels because you can actually eat real food, but you know, so you can. Um, you know, runners came up with that, the whole idea of packing dates and other ingredients all together, making them into balls and sticking them in a little baggie so that they could bring them on the run. I mean, that's a fantastic idea, but you won't find that in like the joy of cooking because that's like a more traditional cookbook. So I think runner oriented. Yeah. And then runners will want to eat all these things like chia seeds and hemp hearts and well, different grains that nobody's ever heard of because you know we know they're good for us and they supply us carbs and good nutrients and magnesium and stuff the tarahumara uh mexican tribe of super ultra runners they eat a lot of chia Mm -hmm. so that's why that's why we need running specific recipe books is you know so we can know what to do with these ingredients okay that's my opinion time to outro thank you for listening to another episode of running book reviews Big thank you to Rodale Publisher for providing review copies of the book. If you would like to leave us feedback about how we can improve the podcast or want to suggest a book that you'd like for us to review in a future episode, please leave us a comment on social media. We are running book reviews on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter, we are reviews underscore running. Please also follow us on social media to find out about new episodes when they're released. Or you can just subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform. Bye for now. A small bonus this week. Here's a couple of minutes of outtakes. People might want to listen to a recipe book, but I don't know if I can talk for an hour on a recipe book. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. (laughs) But then again, I can talk for an hour on most things. (laughs) We could have a beer interlude or a soccer interlude. Yeah, but if if people are listening to this while they're running, then that won't really be very good for their run. Then they'll just want to stop at the beer shop. It's not very it's not very good if they listen to it about food. They'll be going, Oh, stop at the bagel stops. That's what you always talk about on our run. <laughs> you go, Oh, there's a new bagel store. Oh, a new bagel place has opened up down there. Yeah. And 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 secretly what you're saying is, Alan, let's go to this bagel shop and have a bagel while we're running. It's because I'm trying to distract you guys because you always want to go for ice cream, but it's way too cold for ice cream. Like I know the ice cream is open, but it doesn't mean we should go there because we're going to like freeze while we're walking around with our ice cream cones and our running clothes. So bagels, bagels would be a top choice. Yeah, but ice cream's like marathon training. You've got to get used to uh, you've got to get used to the cold of the ice cream before ice cream weather comes so that when <laughs> ice cream, warm ice cream weather comes and you're ready for it. I don't know. That's a strange strategy, I think. Okay. I I just press record so we would record all this stupid chat just in case anything happens to pop out that's any good. Yeah. Doesn't usually, but you never know. (laughs) (laughs) I know you really regretted not getting me uh, uh, when I was asking Simon about how to say Wycombe Rye. (laughs) Yeah, you come out with some gems occasionally. That's pretty good. I guess I, I just just while we're talking, I just remember um, at one stage we used to have so many things to eat uh, in, at our running club, Phoenix. That um, Bill, you started referring to us as an eating club with a running problem, <laughs> which I guess then puts if if our clubs like other clubs, it puts food high on the agenda for most runners. I think so. Well, also runners have to eat so much of it to maintain their running that you know. It's like natural progression of things.